0: Today, we're weighing in on Candace Newman's Weigh In. Hey, everybody, it's Maureen, and this is my podcast, Weighing In on the Weigh In, where I speak to dynamic women behind the scenes in the entertainment industry and find out everything they did and didn't do to land their current career position. With an emphasis on current, because let's face it, we evolve, we move on, and we lean in closer to a more purpose-driven life. Along the way, we amass a goldmine of experience that I feel is worth sharing with anyone looking to get their foot in the door. As a producer and content creator and someone who loves to help others create winning strategies towards pursuing their passions, I'll also share tips on production and help you figure out the steps you need to take for your own way in. And once in a while, I'll drop some things about life because I learn something new every day and it just might help you too. So... Let's get into it. I met today's guest at a panel discussion I held in LA in 2017 called Simplify the Dream and Execute. Candace Newman is a senior tour director of US concerts and touring at Live Nation Entertainment. For the last decade, Candace brought some of the world's most celebrated artists closer to their fans by collaborating with live music venues all over the world to book, produce, and promote tours for a variety of talent from Rihanna, David Blaine, Backstreet Boys, Tony Braxton, and a host of others. Candice is not only responsible for procuring talent and aligning them with the right venue at the right time. As one of the few women of color in the live music industry, she is also at the helm of leadership and inclusion. In 2015, Candace spearheaded Live Nation's Empower Network, a safe space designed to inspire and motivate women at the company. She also shared her journey as an inspiration for other women speaking on Black Excellence panels at LMU, the House of Blues Women's Forward panel, and the Cool Ass Black Woman Empowerment Brunch, among others. Inspired by her own professional journey in the male-dominated space and fueled by her desire to open doors for more diverse faces in booking and touring, Candice launched Live Out Live in 2019. Her goal, to be at the forefront of change, creating a live entertainment culture of empowerment and inclusion by educating and encouraging marginalized groups to pursue careers in the industry. If you're listening on your phone and want to quickly put a face to the voice you're about to hear, head on over to at P-Y-T-C-A-N-D-A-C-E on IG. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow this very intelligent and pretty young thing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Candace. Thank you
1: so much for having me. What an introduction! That's great. <laughs> I'm honored. Is that what
0: PYT stands for? That's exactly what PYT stands for. Pretty Obviously young thing.
1: Inspired by that song, Michael Jackson. Yes, you
0: know, the brill- greatest. Brilliantly
1: created, absolutely the greatest of all time for sure. Yes.
0: So you're juggling it all right now, mommy. I am. Live Nations Tour Executive, and now Founder and CEO of Live Out Live. We're going to get into all of that, um, but before we do, let's talk about your humble beginnings. Okay. So let me ask, you're originally from California and you grew up in LA, correct?
1: That is correct. Born and raised in LA.
0: Nice. What's your background? Is your family originally from Los Angeles?
1: Yes. Both sides of my family are from Los Angeles, my mom and dad. I was born to teenage parents. My parents were 15 when I was first born. So wow. that really kind of set me at a deficit as far as having all of the um, the proper tools and resources that I would need in order to be successful. You know, mm-hmm. it also, there's, this, there's something in me that, there's a spark in me that I, that I would say that God put in me to overcome a lot of those deficits and setbacks. Mm-hmm. Being born to teenage parents did not keep me from being where I was meant to be overall. I grew up here in Los Angeles, lived in foster care. I'm kind of displaced and shuff- shuffled around here and there as I was growing up, but mm-hmm. um, finally found my way eventually, still having a focus on wanting to be great through it all.
0: You said that you had the inspiration or the motive that came from God, correct?
1: That's correct.
0: And so tell us what Candice was like as a kid and as a teenager.
1: Um, I would say that as a kid and teenager, I was a bit insecure. And there were obviously bouts of unhappiness because of my circumstances. But there was, again, something in me that saw a a bigger vision. And I just knew that whatever it is that I was experiencing, I never wanted to experience as an adult. So I was just waiting it out, you know, to get to that adulthood so that I can start defining my own destiny.
0: Now, when you were in foster care, were you ever placed in a home or did you go from home to home?
1: For the most part, I went from home to home. And then eventually I landed with family, friends, and there was a bit of stability from that point on. But Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of many siblings. So, you know, there was a lot of movement for all of us. And I felt a sense of responsibility as a bigger, an older sibling wanting to provide some sort of, you know, stability for them. Right. It was just a lot of fast, quick growing up, a lot of just pushing through and trying to be the better example, despite the circumstances.
0: Right. And there was just something inside of you that was pushing you to move forward and to get something better and do something better for your life. And that's not always an easy thing, especially if you don't have any examples in front of you. So that was just an innate part of you.
1: Absolutely. I, I definitely think that was an innate part of me, but I also believe that life is about choices and those those blessings and all of those, all of the things that pushes you forward come from those good choices or those bad choices. You know, it just depends on very true direction that you want to go into. And I just wanted to commit to making good, solid choices. Although I've made a lot of mistakes, good, solid choices to kind of release me from those circumstances so that I can have a fighting chance for myself.
0: Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It is really about the choices that you make. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear who was your example, you know, as, cause as the kid, that's pretty tough. You're, you're in the system and here you are, you know, that you want better for yourself. Was it that you saw something on TV? Was it a teacher or was it just like, no, this is inside of me. I know there's better. Uh, what was it for you?
1: I guess it was a little bit of a glimpse of all of that there. I can't, pinpoint one true example mm-hmm. of a person who was that person for me to aspire to be or look like but I did know that there was something inside of me mm-hmm. and just kind of want to gravitate towards a direction that was the best for my life I used music to cope a lot I got lost into music I had my ear okay. in and mm-hmm. I just really do- dove into music it was kind of a soundtrack for me of yeah. every single experience that I've gone through in life so music was how i coped and yeah. i would i would say that i used music as a coping tool for me and i used it all the way to become a successful you know stepping stone for myself which yeah. is why i landed in the music industry i knew that i loved music and i always wanted to work in the music industry i just didn't know how i was going to get there
0: yeah i love that what was what was the soundtrack like
1: the soundtrack included a lot of sad soulful music, a little bit of mm-hmm. Anita Baker, a little okay. bit of love songs and then, you know, because I grew up with parents, so there's a lot of music that they listened to, which was, mm-hmm. you know, right above my my time and my era. But then mm-hmm. I tapped into New Edition and Brandy and pop some pop music, obviously Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston who are just at the top of my list to just mm-hmm. kind of draw from and and because I also saw some of the experiences that they had gone through growing mm-hmm. up. So it made me feel human and real. And it made me feel as if there was something there that I can reach for. And music did it for them. And so music was going to have to do it for me as well.
0: Yeah. It's like it's like that was meant to be for you. Now, you were a former model, right? Yes, I was. How did you get into that? And is that something that you still do or <laughs> have you stopped?
1: Well, I use modeling to get me through graduate school, to be honest. Um, obviously nice. growing up, I was told that I was attractive. I've always had these really long legs and a slender build. So I wanted to try to find every single thing that I can utilize, not only my brain, but you know, my looks and whatever else in order to get me ahead. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of opportunities during that time for me to get ahead and uh, maybe make some additional funds modeling. Mm-hmm. So I tapped into that. I didn't go too far into it because it was, I wanted to lead with my brain and my heart and my resources, but I also wanted to utilize everything that I possibly had. So modeling was one of those things that I tapped into. I made a good living off of it when I was in graduate school because I had to pay for graduate school. Opposed to undergrad, I had a full scholarship that I acquired because I was a ward of the court. There was a scholarship called the Guardian Scholars Program, and I- won the scholarship. It wasn't just by default that I received it. I had to apply and write an essay. And and mm-hmm. it was just basically for foster youth who had promise, who had the ability to do some great things in their lives. And so mm-hmm. I was honored to be selected, one of very few to be selected, but I had to maintain it throughout college. So I did that in undergrad. And then in order to get through graduate school, I had no scholarship and no real resources or funds. So that's mm-hmm. how the modeling thing kind of came into play.
0: But did you seek it out or was an agent around? Like sometimes somebody's in the street and they're like, you should model. How did it happen I saw, for you? I sought
1: it out. I just kind of uh-huh. like looked into opportunities. I didn't have a real agent, but I had um, just resources and people that were linked to agents and linked to opportunities that they would send me and I'd go out for. I also did a lot of promotional modeling. So that kind of gave me an opportunity to kind of promote products and in events and activities. And right. they were always looking for attractive girls. And at those events is where I met a lot of people who kind of helped set, move that agenda forward for me. Okay,
0: great. In 2008, you launched Social Butterfly Entertainment, an event production company, and you partnered with actor comedians, Tony Rock and Ranji to curate live events across the city. Would you say that was your first foray into working with talent and booking venues? And were there any similarities with what you do now?
1: Absolutely. I would definitely say that it was my first um, opportunity to own a business. I had a couple of business partners, but I kind of took the lead on that because I was the only of us who were involved in the music industry who had dibbled and dabbled a bit with talent, but not on the level that I I was able to when I was actually booking the events and creating the concepts and the ideas. So it was a great opportunity for me to started an event process and see it through fruition and that's mm-hmm. basically what I'm doing now with tours I'm creating the foundation for the for the events the concerts the shows as a collective tour and seeing them through fruition from the beginning plan which is the budget the preliminary budgets all the way through to the ending of the tour which is like the ending of a show or an event that I have Put together, so mm-hmm. and then it also gave me opportunity to understand different guarantees and how to pay talent, how to negotiate venue um, contracts and agreements. And I was just winging it, but I understood the basics of it because I worked in bars. I was a bartender as well at some point mm-hmm. when I was a model. So you know, I kind of worked in a venue and I saw how it operated. But I, it allowed me to understand the business aspects of entering in a venue and creating experience in a space and it allowed me to just develop and grow from there in addition i was an entrepreneur so it just really tied in all of these other aspects of who i was destined to become
0: right how did you get connected with tony rock and Ron G?
1: just living here in los angeles tony rock and Ron G were very young and up and coming um talents tony rock had just moved to los angeles and was looking for opportunities to partner and collaborate with people to create stuff so was Ranji. And so we did an event with Ranji called Cometry, which was like an infusion of comedy and poetry. And there was a live e- live event um, aspect to it as well because we had an entertainer because that was where my heart was to have a music tied to everything that I was you know, involved in. So mm-hmm. um, Ranji was the host for Cometry and it was highly successful, something that we did every couple of weeks. Here in Los Angeles, and then I had another event with Tony Rock that we call Recess, which was like a game night for event for adults. So Recess was basically, you know, some game set up, some bar food and drinks, and just a cool little experience. And so the overall mission of my business was the alternative to the club scene because Mm -hmm. you know I wanted to create something different than just an outing for young people to go and party and drink and go to the club, just right. more of a network, a networking space, a space for us to connect in a mature atmosphere. So it was great to have that, those those guys and their level of talent tied to it because they, yeah. they brought in something extra, you know?
0: Yeah. So you were also running Social Butterfly Entertainment and working full time at Universal Music Group as a senior executive assistant.
1: That's correct.
0: I've heard horror stories and know that assistants, especially in LA, have it rough. How was it for you and how were you able to build Social Butterfly simultaneously?
1: I think that my job at Universal Music Group wasn't as quite fulfilling as my current role at Live Nation you know, as an assistant. And I started at Live Nation as an assistant as well, so I'm sure we'll get to that. But as an Mm -hmm. assistant at Universal Music, my hands weren't as full. I had the bandwidth to just get the job done. And I didn't have to take it home with me. So it allowed me much more time and space to really carve out the, the the passion projects that I wanted to be involved in. I wasn't a mother at the time. I was a single young woman. So it allowed me to leave my work at work, do what I needed to do throughout the day, and then just fire off whatever passions that I had beyond that outside of the office. And right. So that was a great experience as far as being an assistant there. And it was kind of my... My second opportunity is being an assistant. I worked at Fox Entertainment, transitioning kind of just right after college and trying to find my, find my footing. Right. And I worked for someone really great. So, my experiences as an assistant is not really related or tied to the horror stories, although I know of and I've seen some like directly yeah. right in front of me. But my exact experiences weren't the same. I didn't get yelled at and, and disrespected as much. You know, uh-huh. there were some comments made. But I think that because of my personality and character, a lot of Executives don't come at me in that same way. You know, they right. know that right. I'm a solid young woman and that I'm gonna advocate for myself. So they're mindful of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's what's your advice to people who start off as assistants, especially in LA?
1: I would say an assistant is a great opportunity to start into the industry. It's getting your foot in the door and it's a space where you don't have as much responsibility. So you take as as much as you can and you learn as much as you can in that environment in that space if that's one that you want to develop in and that's what Mm -hmm. i did at live nation when i transitioned over to live nation i was above in my opinion above the assistant role but i knew that this new company i wanted to get in there and get my footing and really learn as much as i possibly could so i was okay with starting as an executive assistant at live nation because i knew who i was and i knew that there was opportunity for me to grow within myself not mm-hmm. i didn't really know what the company had to offer but i knew that i knew what was in me so i knew i was going to go into live nation but i wanted to learn as much as i can about the touring space and whatever it is that they were doing there so that i can develop there right the advice that i would give to an assistant here in LA is to get into that space and learn as much as you possibly can because there's really true value in learning from these executives and learning from these mentors in those in those positions
0: What's your advice for somebody that is just crazy to work with? Do they, should they, you know, stick it out?
1: Yes, I would say stick it out. Um, I would say advocate for yourself in writing a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. um, if there are... Things that you just that are intolerable and that are completely not aligning with who you are as a person, and a lot of times as assistants, we don't really understand who we are as a person, and we think that we we have to go through those things and and believe that we deserve. It's it's part of a um, breaking in, breaking in, paying
0: your bills or yeah, one hundred
1: percent. It's paying just, your dues. Exactly, it's part of what do they do in a sorority or a fraternity when they kind of um, you know, they make you go through all of the hard hardships in order to get to the 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 other side.
0: Yeah. Sometimes um, sometime. what is that called again? I forget the is name right of the Is it rushing?
1: Is it rushing? No.
0: I don't know. But go on. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> yes.
1: Okay. So, it's part of the process. However, you're going to be dealing with difficult people in corporate America or in the world in general no matter what. So, it's it's also training in that respect as well. It allows you an opportunity to decide on how you want to deal with those people and again, you protect yourself by putting things in writing. Um, emailing and saying, Hey, I know you asked me for this. Um, You know, I'm going to just being really communicative, doing your best at the job, allowing your work ethic to lead. And once you do that, you don't have to tolerate any bad behavior from anyone else. And again, I would just say, when you're dealing with difficult people, cover your tracks, put things in writing, protect yourself, but at the same time, not put things in writing that's gonna put them on blast. But be strategic and tactful in how you approach the, the the conversation. You know, I really love my job here. I really love what I do here. I'm really enjoying learning from you. However, I feel you get what I'm saying. Just
0: yeah, that's that's good advice.
1: So that you're not coming out off entitled or feeling that you should be treated a certain way, although you de- deserve a basic level of respect no respect, matter where yeah. you go.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's initiation.
1: <laughs> it's it's an initiation. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so in the entertainment industry, it's considered to be an initiation to deal with those type of people, but it doesn't happen across the board. Some people have pleasant experiences and we all deserve that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So where is Social Butterfly Entertainment today?
1: Social Butterfly Entertainment has phased out, but the heart of it is still within me. You know, I still I, I took all of the skills and transferred them into what I'm currently doing, because, again, it was a foundation of what I was learning here in life in order to transfer over to be an executive at Live Nation. I didn't know that I would be booking concerts and tours for a living, but God knew. Mm-hmm. So he was really just, you know, laying the foundation and setting me up for for it. Yeah. And it, preparing it was kind you. Of an, he was preparing me for it. And it was an open window to that opportunity. So yeah. it, it's, it has phased out, but the heart of it is still within me.
0: So let's fast forward to today, and you're on the touring and booking side of the music industry with Live Nation, who you've been with for 11 years. Yes. What? Yes. Oh, my which,
1: God. Which is an accomplishment within itself. You it know, forget is. what I'm doing there. Forget what I'm doing there. I survived a new company. Live Nation was about, I would say, two and a half, maybe three years old when I first started there. So okay. they were still figuring out who they were, right. you know, as a okay. business, as a company. But- To navigate corporate politics and aspects and and ride the waves of a new business and all of its transitions is an accomplishment within itself. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't say it. A lot of people don't stay at companies and businesses for over five to seven years. So. Oh
0: my God, forget five to seven years, two to three <laughs> years now. Gone. Turnaround mm-hmm. is is so high at companies in any industry nowadays. So yeah. Yeah. that I commend you for sticking with it. Thank
1: you. Let's
0: rewind. You said that you didn't start off, you were a little bit above an assistant. So what was your title?
1: I was an executive assistant when I started at Legnation. Nation.
0: Okay, so you worked your way up.
1: I did. So the thing is, when I was at a Universal Music Group, I felt that I had earned my executive assistant. I had paid my executive assistant dues at Universal Music and I was ready to do more when I stepped into Live Nation. However, the opportunity that presented itself was the ground level opportunity as an executive assistant. And I took it on because, again, I knew who I was. I knew that my capabilities were that right. I would not be there for, in that role for long. So right. I took it on because I knew... Like I mentioned before, that in an executive assistant role, you come in and you you learn as much as you possibly can. You're almost like the gatekeeper to so many things, so you get a lot of access to things. You know, I certainly
0: are. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I knew a lot of the resources at the company that some of the senior like executives had no idea about. I knew how to, you know, who to go to for certain things. So Mm
0: -hmm. it was a
1: good role for me starting there. It was a good opportunity for me to to grow. In that space.
0: So since it was such a new company, was it difficult getting that position or getting into Live Nation?
1: At that time, no. I felt that it was fairly easy. I basically went online. Well, my transition out of Universal Music, Universal Music was, I don't believe that that company was prepared for the streaming industry and and all of the changes that that brought in. And so Mm -hmm. they were laying so many different people off during this time. And I just had a feeling that my division was going to be up. At some point right yeah so I didn't I wanted to get in front of it so what I did was I um, went online and started applying for entertainment jobs quote unquote entertainment jobs just type that into Google Live nation was one of the roles that came up as the executive assistant and I had no idea what live nation was when I Mm -hmm. applied but Mm -hmm. it was an entertainment job Mm -hmm. I applied and literally I believe I applied on a Monday and by Friday they offered me the role Wow I went in for the interview on a Wednesday and I got the job on that. The end of that week, nice. They just knew they knew what they wanted, and they were planning to build as a business. And so it was a bit easier to get in then than it is now because of the type of company it has grown into—be the number yeah. one concert company in the world, let alone yeah. one of the top entertainment industry companies in the world. So yeah, it's much more difficult, and the the pool for talent is much more in demand. You know, they want the best of the best in the industry now.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So I can imagine it's a lot harder. You know, they're the global leader in live events and ticketings. Live Nation was recognized three years in a row by Great Place to Work, and named one of People Magazine's top 50 companies that care. They list some of their work perks as student loan repayment, hello and hell yes to that, <laughs> six right? months mm-hmm. paid caregiver leave, roadie babies, which is bring your little ones and a caretaker yeah. on your work trips, and music at home, mm-hmm. cultivate your little ones, music interests, and tuition reimbursement for ongoing career development. That is Amazing. How, what have yeah. you benefited from since you've been with them for over a decade now?
1: I would say that a lot of those benefits are new within the last oh. year or two. <laughs> okay. Yes. Again, I grew with the company. You know, we got a diversity and inclusion division mm-hmm. maybe five years ago. Okay. You know, so it's a new company. So a lot of these benefits are new. Mm-hmm. Of those benefits, for example, I had a child during my time there at Live Nation and my maternity was six months. Well, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, my maternity was. Three months. Okay. Now it's six months. Now it's six so months. So okay. they've evolved and expanded some of their benefits. The one benefit that is new that I did recently benefit from mm-hmm. is the roadie baby benefit. My, yeah. I booked the Backstreet Boys tour and we had four dates in Hawaii, which was the last four dates on the, the North America stop. And mm-hmm. I took my kid with me to Hawaii. So that was one of the benefits that I that I was able to take advantage of. And it was the most incredible experience that my kid and I can have just bonding. He's used to going to shows here in Los Angeles and being backstage. But Mm -hmm. it's a different experience when you're in a different place, you know, when you are traveling.
0: That's so true. So it's all inclusive. They pay for everything.
1: They paid obviously for my hotel because I was going to have to stay somewhere anyway. And so he stayed with me mm-hmm. and they paid for our flights. They accommodated every single aspect of it. I didn't That's pay great. for one, one, one thing involving that trip. And it was the most amazing experience that my son and I can ever have.
0: That's great. He, he won't pro- he'll probably never forget that. What is difficult about the business? Was it difficult learning the ins and outs of the touring business?
1: It was not as difficult because I was completely engulfed in it. I was there in that space. And so learning it was up to me, learning whatever, everything that I've acquired and learned in that business, Mm -hmm. I, it's up to me. It was, it was my decision and my choice. I could be in that space and not tap into every aspect of it. I could not, you know, have my ears to the pavement and my, you know, and paying attention if I chose not to. Mm -hmm.
0: And so it's about focus.
1: It's about focusing and, and wanting to gain as much experience as you can in any space that you're in. Even if I go somewhere and I'm there for a full day, I'm going to learn something because I'm going to tap into it. And I'm going to really you know, pay attention and focus in on the environment and the space that I'm in. So being there for the amount of time that I've been there, I've done just that. Every single day I was I was asking and requesting to be a part of the process. I was letting them know that I'm capable of other opportunities as far as doing more and more value that I can add so that they can kind of allow me to to contribute to the bottom line of the business which is to book and promote concerts and tours as an executive assistant you're not booking and promoting concerts and tours you're just supporting the process right. but I wanted to let them know that I was fully capable of supporting that process so I was invited into meetings I was invited into certain spaces to You know, to learn more and having that opportunity to do so allowed me to really take on more projects and more opportunities and show them who I am.
0: Right. It's a natural part of who you are. You were just you already walked into the company knowing that you wanted to move up, knowing that you yes. were going to have a bigger role and that there were certain things that you had to put in place in order to get there. So that's that's Absolutely. definitely what people need to do if they want to move up naturally.
1: I will say that it was not easy because there were challenges. I was an executive assistant for five and a half years. And remember I mentioned earlier that I had a master's degree. So I came in with um, a higher education than most, Mm -hmm. but I would say overlooked at a lot of opportunities, Um, but it was up to me to put my head down and just keep doing the work and uh, eventually knowing that the work would pay off.
0: So were you ever discouraged and felt like this is not, this is five years going in now. This is never going to happen.
1: At some times, some moments I was, um, my husband was a, a good encourager for me. He really kept me focused during that time. And, And letting me understand that eventually I will get what what I've already earned, you know? Mm -hmm. If not today, then one day. And so that's kind of what drove me and, and kept me going. But there were times of discouragement and there were times of frustration where I wanted to move on or I wanted to be seen. We all want to be seen. Yeah. And I don't feel that I was truly seen or valued, but eventually I was able to convince them that I was prepared for the next level and they gave me a chance.
0: Now, what was that like? What did you have to do in order to convince them? Did you eventually have to set up a meeting and sit down and say, Hey, I'm looking, I'd like to move forward. This role is open. I'd like to apply for this role internally. What was that like for you?
1: I think that throughout the five and a half years that I was there, I put my name in the hat for many opportunities. I Mm -hmm. sat down with them during Performance reviews, letting them know, hey, I know opportunities are coming up. I want to be considered for them. Things like that. Okay. But none of those were my decisions to make. You know, they were beyond me. They were management decisions. They were supervisors who had control or, you know, and in the entertainment industry, we all know that it's heavily driven by nepotism and male dominated. Mm-hmm. And me as a black woman, am not first in line for opportunities in corporate America. It's right. just, it's just really truly what it is, you know, so yeah. I don't want it to seem, I don't want it to seem as if this journey has been easy. I want everyone to know that it took a lot of work and it took a lot of patience, which mm-hmm. I'm not the most patient person, you know, because I want to be seen. <laughs> I want, I want people to know what I bring to the table and I want people to understand that. But I kept just giving what I bring to the table and I kept doing what I'm, what I know that I'm good and great at. And eventually it just paid off. So I know that whether they saw me or not, they couldn't dispute my hard work.
0: Right. And you had a good support system.
1: I did have a good support system at home. And I had um, friends who supported me and they knew who I was, mm-hmm. whether people who I see at the office for a handful of hours know or not. So right. ultimately, it was a lot of putting my name in the hat. It was a lot of asking for opportunities. And eventually, I got out of out of that role. So basically, it was me advocating for myself
0: mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you love about touring and booking the most?
1: I love having an opportunity to bring the live entertainment experience to fans, um, allowing artists and fans to kind of connect. I love just the excitement of people who have no idea what goes into it. I love creating something. There's so many different things that I love that It's so rewarding to know that I was the person who liaised the entire tour of many dates. It's Mm -hmm. just, it just feels great knowing that I'm the one that people count on.
0: Right. What does it entail? Like you said that you booked the Backstreet Boys tour, right? Yes. What Mm -hmm. talk talk to me about what that is and how do you book it? Yeah.
1: So the process of booking a tour involves.
0: Wait, quick question. So when you say that you book a tour, just because this is new for me, and I'm sure anyone else listening, does that mean that you have to petition to book that tour? Like, are there other people in your department who are like, no, I want to do the Backstreet Boys tour, and then someone gets it? How does that work?
1: We're signed tours. So we're all all part of a, a team silo. And so my boss is the promoter. What he does is he goes and he hunts for tours and shows, and he brings them back to our team, and we execute them. Right. Okay. All of the tours that I'm assigned to are tours that my boss went and hunted for, okay. and or had relationships with agents and managers and brought back to the team. So there's two people on my, on my team who are the bookers. That okay. would be me and, and another and another person. And then there's another per, there's one mark, tour marketer. So she is responsible for marketing the tour, which pretty much helps sell tickets. Yeah. And then there's the person who manages the ticketing process. So he sets up all of the ticketing holds in the venues. He works directly with the venues in order to allocate seats and holds, management holds,
0: mm-hmm. marketing holds,
1: mm-hmm. everything. He manages the ticketing aspects. But I'm the point on all of it. And I'm the one that all approvals have to go through that. Okay. That provides all information to the marketing person and the ticketing person, right? Because I've been working on the deal from the beginning.
0: Right. And how hard is the deal? Like, are there other people vying for these artists?
1: Absolutely. There are competitors that are vying for these artists. There are opportunities for... for the artists to go on a full tour and have festival stops because maybe someone wants them on their festival and they've paid them a boatload of money in order Mm. to join that festival. So we have to kind of route the tour around the festival. Mm. There are other promoters who offer more money for specific shows. Mm -hmm. There are casinos who offer more money for specific shows. So it's called a sell-off. So sometimes we'll sell the show off to that casino and they'll give us a, a chunk of money to go towards our deal. So, there's oh, wow. lots of different aspects that go into it. Yeah. I
0: see. I didn't know that at all. That's cool. There's so
1: many different aspects. So, when I'm putting together a deal, I'm working with the venues and I'm, first of all, I'll put together a preliminary budget for the tour. And what that looks like is that that's me researching the artists, figuring out what the proper markets to put them in, proper venues to put them in, mm-hmm. um, working with the agent and manager to kind of zone in on what that looks like. And I do research through Nielsen's, Nielsen SoundScan and find out what markets their albums sell the best in. Okay. I do post-star reports where find out where their past tours were or which were the most successful stops on their past tours so that I can incorporate them in my, my preliminary budget. Okay. So I carve out this. So then I work based on my venue knowledge and know-how. I tight and decide on which proper venues to go into and what those budgets for those venues to look like yeah. I create a ticket price and the ticket breakdown based on the venue build because every venue has seats right so you want the tickets to be based on the seating process and what that looks like okay the budget um, how much rent is going to cost for the venue how much production is going to cost what mm-hmm. the advertising is going to look like so forth and so on so mm-hmm. once we have the ticket prices that gives you the that gives you the gross. And then you have the budget, you deduct that budget from the gross, mm-hmm. and that gives you your your net gross. And that's what the artist potentially can walk away with, right? Okay. And so that that allows you to offer a per show guarantee to the artist, right? Got it.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. And
1: that's an important aspect of it because there's no need for an artist to go out on tour if they're not going to get their guarantee. So you want to mention that in the budget, right? Yeah. Okay. So a typical budget, it depends on the act. It mm-hmm. depends on if you're booking a Backstreet Boys, it could be in the thirty millions
0: or more. Okay. okay.
1: And if you're booking a small clubs and theater tour for someone like I did, David Blaine, mm-hmm. and he had never toured before, and his he's a magician, right? So he yeah. had never toured in in his twenty plus career. He had done a lot of TV specials and whatnot, but never went on tour. So we booked him in some boutique theaters for the first run, and I think we paid him maybe five million. So five what? million versus. <laughs> 30, 30 million. you know what I'm saying, and uh-huh. it just depends on the act and the demand and the venue, and and what goes into it.
0: That's still a yeah. lot. So so, are you guys guaranteeing ticket sales, or are you just kind of guesstimating we will have this amount of ticket sales total?
1: We're gu- we're guesstimating, obviously, because okay. this is a preliminary budget, <laughs> right? But but the people that we that I work with locally in every single market they know those venues better than me they they do their own specific research right i'm mm-hmm. just reaching out to them to place the acts in their venue and they're grateful because It's a a stop on my tour, but for them, it's a local show that's going to create money in their um, venue partnerships,
0: Okay, for their
1: venue partnerships. So there's so many different aspects and pieces tied into like putting together a show or a tour.
0: I see that, yeah. You
1: guesstimate, you put it out there, and then we can come up with more actuals as the show starts to play off. So that's what they're called, actuals, like actual numbers, actual sales, actual financial budgets. Yeah, it's the
0: same thing in production. So we deal with a preliminary budget and we have our estimated amount and then we have the actual so
1: because in essence uh, a show is a production Mm
0: -hmm. so yeah it's right on
1: par with with what you're saying you know
0: yeah do you get front row access to any concerts
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah every concert that I book I get full range and access to the venue
0: okay come and go
1: as I please Uh front of the house back of the house behind the stage on the stage Front row seats, whatever I want, Yeah, yes. if it's my show. And because I have a lot of relationships internally, even if it's not my show, I have access because I'm a tour booker,
0: mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. they
1: won't. They may want my tickets. So right. we do a lot of, <laughs> we do a lot of um, barter.
0: I know when family and friends think you work at someplace cool, they'll ask for <laughs> things. What's the biggest request you've ever gotten? Because I know somebody has asked you.
1: Not only somebody, remember I've been there for 11 years. I've gotten asked my entire 11 years, you know. <laughs> I would say every week of my entire eleven years, and oh I would say gosh. at least at least five to seven people every single week of my eleven years. How do you so, handle it? <laughs> I do my best to get everybody tickets. I do really? my best to yes, I do my best to honor every single request. I do my absolute best. Um, if not, mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity to just give them access to a sold out show. I'll do that because if it's sold out, I know that there's never a real, truly a sold out show, right? Okay. I know that we, we hold back tickets. So it's called ticket holds and we release as the show's approaching, right? Because mm-hmm. you never know if VIP or, or, or top executives are going to want tickets last minute. Okay. Sometimes a, a baller or a celebrity may come last minute and say, I'm in town. I want to bring my kids to a show. We're going to mm-hmm. find tickets. We're going to locate some, and they're not going to be in the back of the house. They're okay. going to be in the very front.
0: Okay. Okay. That's the inside, inside secret.
1: <laughs> yeah. No matter what, there are always tickets available. And so a lot of times I encourage people go to the box office day of show. Yeah. If you go to the box office day of show, you might even get front row seats
0: mm-hmm.
1: because these are tickets that we're releasing as the show is approaching and they haven't all been sold.
0: Right. Okay. But
1: I try to honor every single request, even if it's quote unquote sold out. Yeah. I'll try to connect them with the people to the ticket, the ticketing box office people to purchase tickets. So no matter what, if they really want the tickets, they're going to get them, however.
0: Got it. Got it. What's been your favorite concert to date?
1: (sighs) I've seen so many different types of concerts and experiences. I would say like... Every Beyonce concert's the best because she's <laughs> yeah. gonna put on a show. She's gonna give you your money's worth. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed the bad boy bad boy reunion that they had a couple years back. Oh, I remember it was that. Nostalgic. It was nostalgic for yeah, me. You know, nineties music is the era, best. Nineties <laughs> music is always the best. I'm a nineties R and B type girl, so me too. Bad Boy Reunion was everything. Yeah. I recently went to Oprah's experience and it was really cool. It was mm-hmm. the, our experience they did meditation i don't want to spoil it for people because her tour is still going it's currently active so those people who are going to be attending are in for a real treat you know a real oprah who did you see speak tracy ellis ross oh
0: i just watched that one so good in dallas yes
1: yes so i i went to the dallas stop and we have a stop coming up at the forum where i believe j-lo is the speaker but i don't you know, I think that's next week. So okay. I'm not sure by the time that this comes out, it will already be known. <laughs> yeah, it'll
0: already be known. I mean, yeah. I know that they're releasing all of the conversations on YouTube. So I kind of been watching them. Um, I watched the Tracy Ellis Ross one and it was so good. Mm-hmm. She just had a lot of gems that she dropped. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Why do you think there aren't enough women in the industry and people of color in touring and booking?
1: That's a good question. And that is what motivated my business live out live. Um, I just navigating that that space, I'm hopeful to see more women. I would say like Live Nation has about 50% women, but a lot of them are in support roles, lack leadership opportunities. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not key decision makers. Mm-hmm. a lot of them do not contribute to the bottom line. in particular people of color, I think that we just don't have the same level of access. And if you don't have access, you can't have opportunity. If you don't know that there's a space for you, again, when I was coming to work at Live Nation, I didn't know that I was going to be a concert booker and a promoter. That's a pretty special thing. Mm -hmm. But God knew. So since God knew and he had set it up for me, Mm -hmm. he's now creating a space for me to set it up for other people of color to gain experience and to understand the lingo, to understand the players, so that when they go up for these roles, they have a better chance at Getting them. Yeah. If we don't, again, it's about lacking access.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because a a lot of times it's also who you know. Just like Uh how we just laughed about people calling you up for tickets, you know, they know that you work at Live Nation. But if you don't know someone in an industry, it might be a little harder for you to kind of one, get in and then two, move up. Absolutely. Because it's that access. That access is completely important and, and your net. Your net worth is your network. You know, I really believe that you're out there in the industry with your game face on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. is the live touring industry every every day? How is the live touring industry a jungle? How would you say it's a jungle?
1: It's a jungle because it's extremely fast moving. These are actual live experiences, right? So live really truly only happens once. Although it's part of a tour, every single show is individual. Every mm-hmm. single show only truly happens yeah. once. It's a jungle because we're creating these experiences and they must go off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Because you have people who paid a ton of money to come to experience and get close to their, their favorite artists or their favorite acts. So we cannot there's no room for them not to enjoy themselves. You know, right. there's no room for them not to feel completely rewarded in spending that money that they've worked hard
0: for. So yeah. I would say
1: it's a jungle because it's tough, but it's it's special. And it's an yeah. opportunity. It
0: sounds special. Yeah,
1: it's an opportunity to to show who <laughs> you are and show, show that you can do things with a positive attitude because, you know, when things are a jungle, chaos mm-hmm. can occur. Mm-hmm. It can cause a lot of frustration and human error and characters to come, come to the forefront. And if you can do it with grace, then that's where the real success happens.
0: Absolutely. I always talk about as a producer, finding or having my Zen when I'm on set, because so many things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as a producer, you're, you're the person that's putting everything, all of the pieces together. And if something goes wrong, everyone looks at you.
1: Absolutely. I
0: always say to myself that this is something one that I have to love. And then two, that I have to always be, within my piece. Otherwise, why am I doing this? You know, why do something every day of your life that you start to loathe? You know, you don't, you don't want that because life is short Absolutely. and you should actually love what you do if possible.
1: I agree. I don't know if you sense the passion for what I do and in, in what I'm sharing. I do. I completely <laughs> do. I
0: was just about to ask you, what made you become so passionate about diversifying the touring slash music industry?
1: Diversity and inclusion is important for me because representation matters as a Black woman. And inspired by my own personal journey is why I carved out Live Out life because I wanted to see, it it was very isolating a lot Mm -hmm. of times in that space, not getting the same access and opportunity that I felt that my non-diverse or non-Black or non-people of color or non-female or women um, colleagues had. I felt that I wanted to... I was driven to create something I was. I, and if, if it impacts one person, it was worth it. You know, it was worthy because, again, I'm one person who felt isolated for a long time, but I didn't want to be defeated. And I actually wanted to, to use it as a, a, an opportunity to thrive through. So I'm using the isolation and and the lack of access that I felt that I had mm-hmm. and that I had to push through. In order to extend myself to other people so that they can have a little bit of an easier road in those spaces even if it's not specifically touring like my my mission is to create spaces beyond the main stage it's great to want to be a talent but beyond the main stage is putting it together being the business mind behind it being the one to power and drive it being right. the driving force behind it so that's what I'm extremely passionate about is seeing more people that look like me in those spaces
0: Yeah, and it's great that you're doing that because you can have a lot of people who, you know, are successful and they don't, you know, look back and bring anybody else up who Mm -hmm. looks like them. And it's like, for me as a producer, I always like to hire people of color. Um, Sometimes when I'm on set, I look around and it's like just the makeup artist or the assistant. And I'm like... I know there are so many other talented people who can, you know, be the DP, who could be the um, camcorder operator or the um, sound person. But if we're not bringing those people in, then that's what the picture is.
1: <laughs> it is, and and so it, although it was driven by diversity and inclusion, I also believe that anybody that put in the work is worthy of the opportunity. And I know that we are we are completely capable of putting it putting in the work. We just lack the access.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great what you're doing. And um, it's great that you're bringing people up behind you and you're teaching young people. But before we get into your new venture, I want to talk to you about being a mom. As okay. moms, I'm a new mommy, and I love it.
1: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: Uh, thank yes. you. Maybe uh-huh. nine months now. And we have a lot Gosh. on our shoulders um, to provide for our families and give them our best. How are you giving you your best? How are you giving yourself your best?
1: I'm giving myself my best because I really believe that, again, I have to go back to God. I believe that I'm a child of God and he's so big and so special that I want to aspire to be everything that I'm supposed to be in that regard. So mm-hmm. I'm giving my myself the best and I'm giving my, I'm, I'm operating from the most excellent space that I possibly can every single day in every aspect so that I'm, I'm reflecting that. And so that I'm being that light yes. wherever I go. Yes. And in that being a mother, I have to be that example as well, because I, my passion is in, I'm motivated by Ezra, my son. Mm-hmm. I'm motivated to show him who I am as a woman so that he can, Obviously, look up to that and aspire to dream beyond what I'm doing. That's why I show him everything that I'm doing. I, as I was building my business, live out live. I was talking to him about what it means and and how I'm doing it. And so he knows now that I'm a business owner. From you know, in that space, he obviously have, helped, have always come to the office with me at Live Nation. So he's seen me willing and dealing business deals. Mm-hmm. He's gone to a ton of shows, and so he's seen me interact in that space. You know, from a um, a touring director space. He's um he see me everywhere I go. And that's the example that I want to set. I want him to see me being the most kind, confident, excellent version of myself so yeah. that he can also aspire to be that. And he definitely does that in every every place he goes. He's been skipped a grade because he's super smart. Wow. He plays plays the key keyboard. He's an all-star athlete mm-hmm. basketball and soccer Sorry. And he's confident and he's extremely kind to other people. You know, he leads with his heart. He's a sensitive kid, but he's um, tough and resilient. And I believe that he's tapped into a lot of my key characteristics because of that. And so I want him to continue to move forward in that. And that's where I, that's how I give myself the best by being that example for him.
0: Yeah, I love that. There's a picture of you and your son, Ezra, on your IG and your caption reads. I'm teaching him that there is space for him in any environment. Yes. He slash we are welcome as guests, owners, contributors, and or simply as ourselves. And I think it's important for you or for us to just teach our children that you know you can be anything that you want and you can be in any room that you want mm-hmm. to be in as long as you work hard towards it. And and know with confidence that you deserve to be there
1: absolutely and just being himself in those rooms right yeah be Ezra wherever you go you know and not feeling like you have to conform to that space or conform to the people around you I want him to be himself and be accepted as that
0: yeah what lesson has your son taught you
1: a lesson that my son has taught me is to he's taught me a lot about accountability I would say Mm-hmm. Um, I make a lot of mistakes. We fall short as humans. And I've made a lot of mistakes as a mother because, you know, there's no perfect, there's no handbook on what you have to do. But I'm accountable in those mistakes. I'm quick to to apologize to him and set that example. I'm quick to to not only apologize, but to change my, change my ways and mm-hmm. to show him that I want to be better. Yeah. And I made a mistake. And it's okay to make a mistake as long as you turn things around. And those are the lessons that he's shown me because he's, he's like staring right at me in everything mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking to me, looking towards me. And I don't want him to think that bad behavior is OK. But I don't also don't want him to think that there's no human error and that there's no opportunity to have to have bad behavior because by default we have that. Right. But yeah. I also want him to understand that we have also the, the opportunity to turn those things around.
0: Yeah. And it's about knowing the difference between the two. And like you said, very early on in our conversation, it's about the choices that you make for your life. So you're basically teaching him how to make good choices so that you can have a better outcome. Absolutely. Know?
1: And then when you make a bad choice or a bad decision, forgive yourself mm-hmm. and turn things around. Turn it around, you know, yep. try your best not to make that same mistake.
0: Right. Be kind to yourself and don't carry it with you forever, you know, so that it becomes a burden. You know, sometimes we we make things um very onerous and think that we have to hold on to our mistakes. When you don't, it's yeah. like we're human. We're gonna make mistakes. You know, learn from the lesson and and move on. Just improve.
1: Absolutely, we do a lot of we do a lot of talking through those things. We talk about what we could have done better. Or mm. We talk about what we're gonna do better next time. So mm. it's it's a lot of communication that's happening here with between Ezra and I, and it just builds our friendship. It builds our 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 mother son relationship. And I love that. I couldn't be
0: more pleased with it. I love that. Do you plan on having any more kids? No, I
1: don't have any plans to have any more kids
0: <laughs> at this point. Um, She's like, I don't, I don't know if God does, but I don't.
1: <laughs> God might have a plan for me to have more kids, right. but at this point I'm just really focused in on building the life and the empire that Ezra is going to eventually inherit from me. You mm-hmm. know, I'm creating, I'm creating a legacy a for legacy. him. Not only, not only am I, Again, striving in my from my most excellent space that I could possibly do it from every area that i'm everything that I'm involved in, including you know my live nation business, my live out life business, I own several properties there's just so many different things that I want him to inherit from me mm-hmm. and take on and build from build his own legacy for his kids and his grandkids from so yeah. No, no, I'm not having any plans. I don't have any plans to have any kids, but if God has a plan for me, I'm okay with that as well.
0: Yeah. You've now dived deeper into live entertainment by launching your own company, Live Out Live, where you're educating people in the concert promoting industry. When you started Live Out Live, which... I'd love to tell everybody is spelled L I V E O U T and L with the exclamation V E. Yes. <laughs> um, when you started Live Out Live, was it something you kept quiet at Live Nation, or did you receive their full support?
1: I recently started Live Out Live. I launched in October, but it had been congratulations. Thank you. It had been on my heart for a long time, mm-hmm. but um. You know, I really didn't have the bandwidth for it. And I didn't really just have all the, the the, the, the timing wasn't right. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I waited it out until the timing was right. I started to create a foundation for it. I built a competitor analysis. I built a brand um, scope for it, just everything. So that I, as I was creating and building, I had things to kind of refer back and remind me of my reason for it. Right. Yeah. So I built it out. And I launched it. I launched it with a touring 360 101 class at fifteen hundred Sound Academy, which is a music um, sound academy here in Los Angeles, where mm-hmm. I'm from. Mm-hmm. That's created by some super Grammy winning, award winning producers who are also from Los Angeles. So we our passions align for educating the youth in you know from our from our environment. So mm-hmm. from our own community. So I did that and. After it was launched, it was public and a ton of people at Live Nation started to catch wind and see it. And I wouldn't say it was completely received because mm, a lot of people were wondering, who am I to think that I'm a tour expert? You know,
0: Mm.
1: who am I to feel that I can lead a charge like this? But they don't get to determine who am I. Right. You know, I get to determine who am I. I know who I am. Mm -hmm. So... That's why I chose to lead the charge because I know who I am and I walk in that faith. I walk in that purpose. And that's how i continue to move forward in this business. As long as I'm not creating any conflicts of interest by giving away trade secrets or letting people know, you know, how Live Nation do their thing. Mm -hmm. I can share my own intellectual property on how I do my thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a, a lot of the things that I talk about with Live Out Live, I talk about it from a Candace Newman understanding perspective not from right. a Candace Newman from Live Nation perspective.
0: Yes okay, right okay. although
1: I've although I've gained a lot of the knowledge regarding touring, it's about again what I mentioned earlier, what I choose to 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 take on. It's what I choose to to the knowledge that I choose to acquire. It's it's about what I chose to learn, right? So yeah. I chose to dive deep. And since I chose to dive deep, I'm much more, I'm probably much more knowledgeable and advanced than most. Yeah. So allowing myself to share that knowledge is is important Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it's meaningful for my business, Live Out Live. I think that now that I've done like a Grammy Museum panel during Mm -hmm. Grammy week Mm -hmm. and other things tied to Live Out Live, they're receiving it more because they see that there is a true purpose there and something that we can build from. Yeah. It just takes time for people to receive certain things, you know, because the initial response is, they look at it from a, a me perspective and not from a bigger scope of what I, the the purpose and the mission of it right so right. they're just seeing me who is she to think mm-hmm. but again no one determines who i think i am so mm-hmm. i'm okay i walked i continue to move forward even when they felt that way yeah and not every single person felt that way but i heard you know rumblings about that mm-hmm. but i continued to move forward because i knew that what i was doing was bigger than me and it was more important than Anybody's feedback or opinion or thoughts mm-hmm. about who I thought I was,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely, and then, if we're always you know worrying about what people are thinking, we will never accomplish anything, so absolutely. it's good that you you know you weren't holding on to that absolutely on the live out live underscore l a i g account, you say live out live exists to change the narrative one door at a time that you are leveraging your industry experience to introduce teens and young adults to the tenacious yet rewarding concert promotion and booking side of live entertainment and creating a more diverse and inclusive class of newcomers to the industry. Did you start this company because of this void, a void of women, a void of people of color? And how did that void affect you and inspire you?
1: Yes, I did start this company because the company is inspired by my own personal journey within the concert touring booking industry. I, again, believe that representation is extremely important. And they're at the company, and there's Live Nation is an incredible business, an incredible place, and they're still evolving and growing. And I'm just so happy to have been a part of that. But at the company, they truly lack people from the position where I can see that person and aspire to be in that, that role.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: lack that. Mm-hmm. And because they lack that, I desired that so much. Right. So I was desiring it. I was hoping for it and I just wasn't seeing it. So I had to be that person. So now that I'm that person, I want, although people don't have access to seeing what people look like at Live Nation, they see me outside really promoting who I am, promoting my brand, promoting Live Out Live and the purpose behind it. Not so much from a see me perspective, but to see this and to understand this and to understand that you can be a part of something bigger and greater. And mm-hmm. I can be a content music executive and collect a nice salary, go to every single concert, drive a nice car and pro- and provide this roadie baby lifestyle for my kid if I want to. But this is greater than me. This is bigger than who I am. Mm-hmm. It's really taking its own form. As long as I created it, God has just given me so many high hanging opportunities yes. that I'm trying to keep up with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my head from keep my head wrapped around it, in, including creating and, and booking and promoting tours at Live Nation and being a mom. I'm trying to keep up with, with the form that this business has taken. Yeah. And it's it's one of those if you build it
0: they will come. The, the
1: opportunities will yeah. come. And when I tell you they are coming, it's extremely rewarding and exciting for me. Yeah. And
0: that's why I talk about in my intro someone's current position because like I said, we grow, we evolve, we lean in closer mm-hmm. to a more purpose-filled life. And this is like like what you said, it's not about just working at Live Nation, taking my baby out on these trips, going to every concert, driving a car and getting this mm-hmm. big salary. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I, okay, I got that. Now I want more and I want to do more. And ultimately for me, and I feel like for you and, and um, other like-minded people, it's about giving back. You know, it's about doing what, what God has blessed you with and then giving back.
1: Because that's where my true blessings are coming from. The fact that I'm, I'm giving back, I'm getting the high hanging fruit.
0: I'm getting Mm -hmm. the
1: best opportunities, having a panel. I just launched my business in October and Grammy week in January, I had a panel at the Grammy museum, Grammy weekend. Like that's, that's that's a big deal. That's a (laughs) golden opportunity, you know, and I just literally launched my business. So The point is, God is preparing so many amazing spaces for me that I didn't even know that were there. Mm -hmm. But I created something being purpose-driven and following his order. So that's why.
0: What is your vision for the company uh, for 2020 and 2021, you know, for the next year?
1: I have so many incredible partnerships and collaborations and ideas that I want to roll out. Mm -hmm. Um, I have meetings with School districts and after school programming to create uh, performing arts opportunities for for them, and to share all of the knowledge that I have. I also have um an idea to put together a tour, three hundred and sixty, because I did that touring class more as uh, a mini tour at some universities, mm-hmm. so Cal States in particular, because mm-hmm. I come from the Cal State system. So yeah. kind of stopping by these Cal States and, and actually teaching a touring class because you have music classes, but no one's teaching anything specialty. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's teaching anything on tours. And those people that are teaching, they looked in the book or they went online and they're teaching from that perspective. They're not teaching from an experienced perspective. Right. But they're, they're, they they've dove into it for 11 years right. and they're able to talk about all of the twists and turns that, go, that are involved in it. So I'm creating like a mini- college tour and um I have a women's history month event that I'm going to be um rolling out. I just have a lot of things, music month events that I'm collaborating on. So yeah. I have a lot of foundations that I'm I'm putting into place and, and hoping and looking to execute.
0: That all sounds really exciting and I feel like it's gonna be huge. It's definitely going to be something that blows up and I, I can't wait to see what that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. When people say they have a business in the business world, if you're not, you know, making some kind of dollar amount, then you can't really call yourself a business. It's like Shark Tank people. So, how are you monetizing or are you even concerned with monetizing at this time?
1: I initially I was not concerned about monetizing, but any business, you know, deserves to be compensated because I have invested some money into building a website and building branding materials and you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would say the monetization comes and goes, right? So for my touring 360 class, we sold tickets and I got, you know, I got compensated for me um, teaching that class. Right. But the Grammy panel was just an opportunity and there was no compensation for it. So mm-hmm. it will come and go. Right. If I work with the school boards, hopefully they have budgets. Even if they're not big budgets, there's still budgets that can help me create, you know, materials and proper programming. Yep. And um, if I create events, there are sponsorship dollars that want to be tied to some special things that I'm some specialty things that I'm doing. So those are just ways that I'm thinking to monetize right. a lot of things I want to just do for my heart to inspire and educate. So, yeah. you know, if if there's monetization opportunities there, I would like to take advantage of it. And I want it to make sense. I want it to operate from a place of integrity because I have um, my bread and butter coming from my booking and concert promoting. So it's not like I'm um, not being compensated for any of my services. It will eventually evolve, I believe. Again, I just began. So I have some ideas.
0: It's going to take off, I already see it. (laughs) Thank you. What are one to three projects you're working on and you'd like for our listeners to know about?
1: Um, One of three projects I'm currently working on, obviously I'm working on a ton of amazing tours. I booked some incredible tours for Live Nation this year. Some of them I can't mention. Some of them are already on sale, like the Backstreet Boys tour, which is a huge um, overperforming tour.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm actually launching another tour Monday. That's going to be really cool, but mm-hmm. I really can't make mention of it today. Okay. Um, so that's what I'm doing through Live Nation, just booking some really awesome shows, events, and tours. In addition to that, I am... For Live Out Live, I'm again. I have a women's brunch event that I'm I'm hosting during Women's History Month. I have this tour that I'm putting together, tour 360 on type of class mm-hmm. that I'm going to be doing in some of the colleges. Mm-hmm. Additional projects. I have some something really exciting coming up with fifteen hundred Sound Academy. They're opening up their new sound stage, so they're looking to have support in in monetizing and booking within that sound stage. And I am at the forefront of that. Wow. So yeah, it's just some really cool, exciting things to, to involve myself in and to keep me inspired and motivated.
0: Yes. I love it. Let everyone know where they can find you on Instagram and online.
1: Okay. You can find me personally on Instagram at, at P Y T Candace, P Y T C A N D A C E. Or you can find my business at live out live L-I-V-E. O U T L I V E underscore L A at Live Out Live L A. Or you can find me online at www.liveoutlive.com. dot liveoutlive dot com. That's www dot L-I-V-E. O U T L I V E dot com. And um yeah.
0: that's, that's right place that you can locate me that's that right, right. <laughs> coming to the end of our interview is such a great interview um I, I just love everything that you're doing I can't wait to see where live out live goes and um, I think it's gonna be huge I think you're gonna have you're gonna be a blessing to a lot of people so I, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing it flourish so are you ready yes okay I'm it's I am ready. Rapid fire. So, number one, okay. name three of your favorite apps.
1: Okay, three of my favorite apps. I would say are Instagram. It's definitely one that I tap into on a regular. Mm-hmm. My bank app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm constantly making sure that my money is situated in in an order. <laughs> so, it's definitely a top act that I I tap into. Okay, and um. Postmates, I enjoy ordering food. It makes my life a lot easy to just order up and have it delivered to my house. So those are like, if I push down on my, my iPhone, those are the three apps that are at the top.
0: Okay. Who would you love to collaborate with?
1: Ooh, that is a really good question. I'd love to collaborate with Michelle Obama. She is um, an inspiration. She is my mentor. She is complete goals. Mm -hmm. I want to really tap into her unbotheredness and her, you know, we go high (laughs) when they go low um, Uh understanding, all of that. So she would definitely be someone that I want to collaborate with on anything, whatever she wants to do. I'm willing to help her execute it.
0: (laughs) What's your dream (laughs) project or dream job?
1: My dream project and dream job. I would say that I am working and doing my dream job and dream project. I love booking and promoting This is something I plan to do for the rest of my life. Um, Whether I do it at Live Nation, whether I do it independently, I love inspiring and creating opportunities for other people. So those are two of the things that are at the top of my my dream jobs.
0: That's great. You're on a panel with four other powerful women. Who are they?
1: Oh, that's good. Um, Four other powerful women. I... I would say Angela Rye. I love her voice. Mm-hmm. I love her confidence. Mm-hmm. I love her knowledge about the space that she's in. Mm-hmm. And I love that she speaks to that. She's not frivolously speaking about other topics. She's confident in her approach. I would say another is Amanda Sills. Mm-hmm. I really like that she is um, unapologetically herself, mm-hmm. you know, despite who receives her message and how they receive it. I love that she's funny with it, but she's intelligent with it and, and confident in who she is. Let's see. Another would be, let's put Michelle on there. Okay. Because, you know, she she ran this country, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, it was one of the most powerful women in, in, in the world, you know. Um, and she's a sister. Mm-hmm. And so she has a story, like a foundation, like we discussed earlier of her own and she came from that to become that. You know, I may be powerful from my perspective and where I'm at, but there's no power like the one that she had to to endure. Yeah. One more. I'm feeling Serena Williams.
0: Yes. I love that she
1: is I'm feel I love that she's dominant in her space, that she's she's navigated a lot of interesting politics that came with her Mm -hmm. being the top in her space. It it kind of mimics my journey and navigating politics through Live Nation and being, you know, one of the top in my space and that looks like me and, and and trying to just thrive and be my best.
0: Most famous person you've met? I would say Rihanna.
1: Rihanna was probably the most famous person that I met. I've worked with a lot of celebrities, but I don't work directly with a lot of them. Um, I, I've met a ton of people but she's a superstar in her, her own right yeah. she's a, a mogul
0: she's a mogul she's
1: not only a mute she's not only a musician mm-hmm. you know or an artist she's expanded beyond that and I believe that she is going to leave quite a legacy mm-hmm. and so she's definitely someone that I feel is one of the most famous people that I met and I met a lot of famous people but she's definitely up
0: there mm-hmm. whose success story inspires you the most
1: Let's say Barack Obama, moving to going from where he came from. I wouldn't say he had the type of background that I had, but I don't know truly what he experienced and not having a father and, Mm -hmm. you know, movement and this, that and the other and becoming one of the most powerful people in the world. Although he had to deal with a lot of politics and although he had to deal with a lot of resistance and although he had to deal with a lot of pushback. And he did the best that he could from that perspective, which I think that we're all trying to do from every, from our, our own individual faces. Yeah. Him being in the most powerful pos- position in the world with every, all eyes on him. He handled it with so much grace. Yep. And so I'm inspired by that.
0: Forever president. <laughs> forever,
1: forever president. <laughs> forever absolutely. first lady.
0: Yes. What's your favorite quote for the new decade?
1: I would say not so much a quote, but be intentional. Mm. Like it's just, what I want to do and what I want to be. And it could be a quote. And I'm sure it's someone's quote, but it's now my quote of the decade. Mm-hmm. You know, be intentional, making sure that I'm I'm following the steps of my intention, making sure that I'm writing things down and I see it and I want to see it come to fruition, making sure that everything that I do and everywhere that I go, that I am Been intentional when I go places, connecting with people. When I go places, being present. When I go places and do things, Mm -hmm. if if that's a quote, that is my favorite quote. That is the one thing that I want to do and and um, embody.
0: What song is on rotation for you?
1: I've been listening to it quite a bit. Is P J. Morton's "Let Go" Mm -hmm. or "Let God"? Mm -hmm. And basically, what he says is to let go and let God. Right, allow God to be God and do His 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 service in your life and just follow that.
0: What book are you reading right now? I recently
1: got Amanda Seals book, mm-hmm. which is
0: pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: It's just kind of like
0: small doses,
1: right? Like tidbits about how to navigate different things and how to be and how to be most excellent, most most black excellent woman. <laughs> yeah. Put it in writing and, and, and help you see it and understand it, you know, and, and sharing the wealth and the knowledge. Yeah. So I really see myself in her. How
0: do you unplug I unplug by just
1: doing whatever I want to do. Some days I have a long agenda and if it's not absolutely imperative that I am involved in it and it's just things that I wanted to do, if I am not emotionally there to do it, sometimes i just stay home or I'll walk across the street to the spa or I'll just have some me time or I have some quiet time with God or just chill mm-hmm. and just do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's how I unplug. Like I make the decision to to feed myself and fulfill myself on what I feel like I deserve and what I need. And sometimes when I hit those reset and I just do whatever I feel like I deserve, um, I'm much more better for other people and I'm much more better for the world.
0: Three more. What's the last lesson you learned?
1: Not everything. Is necessary to speak up on or to try to master or dominate. You know, sometimes you just gotta let things just fall where they may. If there's something that's brewing in you that really can't help yourself, then I would say do that. Like if you can't sleep at night, speak up about it. But sometimes not everything is worth, you know, addressing trying to approach and that's a lesson that I learned just to just allow things to just to be sometimes and it will all work itself out yeah
0: we always want to try to fix things
1: yes what
0: is your personal why so the reason behind what you do
1: my personal why is Ezra is my son he motivates me he keeps me going he is my he's I'm he's my example of what you know his innocence and his kindness and sweetness and tenderness is what I want to continue to Cultivate. It's my reason why. It's it's why I get up every day and do what I have to do yeah. in order to keep creating a life for him and being an example for him. Yeah, being the, the first example because you know we have role models and peers and mentors that we look up to, but mm-hmm. I want to be the main person he looks up to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Lastly, what's your advice for the ultimate way in?
1: The ultimate way in is to. Find your purpose and be driven by that. If you're not doing something that you love, none of it is worth it. So find your purpose. Seek that out with all your heart. And it won't even feel like work mm-hmm. when you find your way in. It will feel like life is just happening mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. You know, It will feel purposeful. Yeah, it
0: purposeful. will feel
1: meant to be. The way in is to find your purpose and to execute that and to really go after that with all your heart. Mm-hmm. That's truly the way in.
0: Candace holds a Bachelor of Arts in Communication and Entertainment from California State University, Fullerton, and a Masters of Art in Communications from California State University in LA. She's a mom, a wife, a proud Los Angelian, and an advocate for diversity and inclusion. Thank you so much for sharing with us today.
1: Thank you. It's been so fun talking to you and just sharing who I am. I really am grateful for the opportunity. Thank oh you. my
0: God, you're you're so great. I just got so much insight into everything that you're doing. Like I, I had no idea about the touring and booking. It's like a whole. It's a it's another beast.
1: It's a complete beast. It's a complete beast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, all right, everybody, please follow her on IG. Again, it's at P-Y-T-C-A-N-D-A-C-E and at L-I-V-E O-U-T-L-I-V-E underscore L-A visit her website at liveoutlive.com and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, thank you Candice I'm out, we're out thank you, bye <laughs>